Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. And it's been a while. It's been, uh, God, it's been over a month since I've done a show. It's completely on me, as if it could be on anyone else. Um, I went to Virginia for the International Nine Ball Open and then had a little bit of a vacation, if you will, and, and then just got behind more and more. So ordinarily, I'd, I'd talk about the news, but we've got five weeks worth of news. So it's, it's not something that we can catch up on quickly. So let's just touch on the highlights. We have a international nine ball open champion, Jung Lin Chang. I implore anyone who loves to watch top-level nine-ball to join the AccuStats program on Vimeo so you can watch these matches as soon as they're put online. The final day was just amazing. The hot seat match between Chang and Ko, and then the finals between Chang and Ko, were some of the best nine-ball that I have ever seen. And... They really seem to have a different style than some of the American or European players. Watch the matches, see if you agree with me. Maybe I'm just crazy. We also have players for Team Europe and Team USA. And what's interesting is we had five players for Team Europe, and then we had four, and now we have five again. With Mario He testing positive for... Some sort of a drug that was banned by the International Olympic Committee, uh, causing him to withdraw from the Moscone Cup team. Again, I'd like to reiterate something that some people don't seem to be paying attention to. Mario withdrew from the team. Matchroom did not throw him off the team. And people look at it, and, and I hear people say, well, this is crazy. They're pool players. Why are they drug testing them? Well, at the same time, these people say, why isn't pool in the Olympics? If pool's ever going to make the Olympics, the first step is what Europe is doing in drug testing their players. Europe is trying to do things the right way. Unfortunately, Mario got caught up in the situation. He got caught up in Europe trying to do things the right way. It's terribly unfortunate. Everybody hates what Mario is going through. Certainly, Matchroom, the European, his his former European teammates, uh, and the whole pool playing community. I'm sure that that Alex Kazakis, who took his place, isn't even happy about it. But Europe is trying to do the right thing. I don't think you can blame anybody for this. It's just something that happens. I don't know that I'll go so far as to say that you can't blame anybody for this next little piece of news: the Tornado Open being canceled. We had talked to Vivian a few months ago. She said that she had TV coverage for this. This was going to be a huge event. And this is now two major events in the back half of this year that were canceled with the Ballpark Open in St. Louis and now the Tornado Open. Big kudos to the rooms on the East Coast that stepped up and put on tournaments for the European players who were already in the States getting ready to play uh, Vivian's event. They they really helped out the players, gave them something to play in, some added prize money, uh, at, at least something. We also have a junior nine ball champion from the United States. Makiel Paris won the gold medal, 
And that leads into my interview for this show. I interviewed Roy Pastor from Massachusetts. Roy was at the event, and I've corresponded with Roy a number of times. He's been very helpful in covering junior events, junior nationals, uh, you name it. Uh, Roy is there, and Roy's involved with it. And, and I'll let Roy tell you everything that he's involved with, because I think that it's, uh, it's very interesting. I think it's a very frank and honest interview. But Roy's trying to do something about it. You know, I, I, did, uh, I did an interview with, with Dave many years ago, and yeah, I was a little bit angry when I did it, uh, but I had gotten tired of people saying, well, this is what we need for pool. This is what somebody needs to do. And the idea behind the interview was, what are you going to do? You know, we can, we can talk until we're blue in the face about what somebody else is going to do, but what are we going to do? Roy is a good example of that. Roy is doing an awful lot, and it sounds like he's trying to build on that even more. So without further ado, I give you Roy Pastor. And I'm very happy to be joined this week by Roy Pastor, all the way from Massachusetts. Now, Roy, you wear a number of different hats, all part of the junior, well, not all part of the junior program, but it sounds like the majority of it is part of the junior program. Can you tell our listeners everything that you're involved with? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll um, I'll give it a shot. I um, I've been a uh, I'm a P- currently I'm a PBIA master uh, instructor. I've been teaching I've been teaching kids and I've had junior programs for about oh close to 18 years. Uh, I've been going to the uh, been attending. I take kids to the junior nationals. So now the BEF Junior Nationals. Um, every year, and I've been doing that for maybe 15 years or so. Um, I'm also on the board of directors for the BEF. I, I've just gotten back on the board. Uh, I was on the board maybe eight to ten years ago, uh, and I'm back on the board now. Um, I've been been to. Uh, I have a number of my junior players have been. Uh, my students have been pretty successful, and as a result, I've been involved in the um, a number of years in some of the international uh, tournaments as well, besides the national tournaments. So, for instance, this past, um, just recently, I, I was uh, able to uh, travel to Moscow with the BEF as one of uh, three coaches and team leaders for the American team, along with Tom Rossman and uh, Dr. Q and Tom Riccobini from the BEF, um, and which was a lot of lot of fun. Uh, so we've been uh, three of my students were on that team on the American team this year. So I, I've been I've been involved in one form or another, um, uh, particularly with the kids for a number of years, primarily because of the junior programs. I, I've run I've been involved in three junior programs now in New England. So. And and actually, that's that's a good uh, seg because you've you've created some sort of a, a junior program. You, you you were telling me about it in the past, but I didn't get a chance to to completely understand what it was all about. Okay, well, I've had a I've had a, a physical junior program. We have three physical junior programs in New England. Uh, one I run in out of Air, Massachusetts, and that's my longest running program. I've been teaching kids every week 
uh, running leaves and instruction once a week for the past 15 to 16 years, and we've had lots of national champions, and we've had lots of very successful kids, and we've had kids who are just, you know, will never be on the national stage, but have picked up the sport and have improved, and it's it's guided them and it's assisted them in all of their other life endeavors. Uh, from the three programs, and we have a second program in Weymouth, Massachusetts, out of a teen center, and we just helped start a. I just helped start a third program up in New Hampshire, um, all run by PBIA instructors. So all of all of my programs are run by PBIA instructors that that uh, my school has certified and trained, and so we're all teaching the same curriculum and the same program. So and I take somewhere between. From these programs, I take somewhere between 10 to 15 juniors every year to the junior nationals. Now, from these physical um, locations, I I made a proposal last year to the through to the BCA through the uh, PBIA, the Professional Billiard Instructors Association, uh, to to start an online program. The online program is called the. Uh, uh, break and run premier instruction program. It is a free program available to all juniors, um, and it, it, it's set up by run by uh, other P, myself and other PBI instructors. Um, it is sanctioned by the BCA, the PBIA, and the Billiard Education Foundation. Uh, the crux of this is we have many students that just don't have. We have kids that don't have access to instructors. They don't have access to coaches. Or they have access to instructors who who are just a little in over their heads and need a little bit of help. So what we do is we set up uh, online relationships and online uh, uh, instruction, uh, just like an online college or an online school, to, make, uh, to have um, uh, something available for these kids. And we do it using Facebook and we use, uh, um, you know, we use Messenger and we use things that are in the kid that the kids have available to them, um, and we use materials that are online and readily available. So there's no cost in materials. There's no cost uh, to get an instructor. There's no cost for a, a coach, um, and um, and I think uh, it has a tremendous. We're still gaining momentum. I'm still trying to get some of the other uh, instructors, some of the other master instructors, to jump on board with this. But I think it's because it's a new technology for them, it's a little difficult for some of them. But I think they're going to be on board, and I think it's very promising. So as a junior player, let's say I'm a junior player, and trust me, I'm well beyond being a junior player, but you know, let's say I'm a junior player and I want to be a part of this program. What would, what would that involvement be like? So there is, a, there is a link on the BCA website under instruction uh, to sign up. They'll get hold of me, and then what we would do, so we would communicate online set up I, I would I would if it were me what I would normally do is contact the student uh, generally with a parent uh, try to gauge expectations try to get I would have uh, asked this student to send me a, a a video so I can kind of gauge where the student is and then we would do a combination of 
we'd have a combination of uh, video exchange to also live live instruction. So, for instance, I'm training I'm training a, a junior, a ten year old right now out of Texas, and I'm in Massachusetts. And I've been training this student now for about three months. This student I met at the Junior Nationals in New Orleans. And this student's very young, had a, a sidearm stroke. And in the last three months now, we've I've been able to help the student uh, change the stroke completely to a vertical stroke, have a pre-shot routine, uh, has picked up some very good fundamentals. And this is this kid was very good to begin with. But we've completely changed his stroke mechanics in three months online. Uh, this will be a combination of things. So, for instance, I would have... Uh, a live session with this with this uh, junior player, and and of course his dad is helping out on the other end. I would have a a um, uh, a messenger or a Facebook, a live or Skype, a live communication on one device. I can even split my computer screen so it's on half the screen. The other half of the screen, we would have a live stream onto a secret Facebook group. All the kids have Facebook. They all they all know how to do this. If I have an instructor that doesn't know how to do this, I just tell them to ask a nine-year-old, and they'll show you how to do it. Okay. So what will happen is on the second half of the screen on my second device, I will have the student uh, live streaming to a secret Facebook group. Now, Facebook has several groups uh, uh, settings available. One is public. We don't want that. One is a, is a private that they can see it, but they can't sign on to it. And the other one is secret, so only myself and the and the uh, student's family can see it. It's not not public at all. Uh, so they will I will have them doing drills. I can give live instruction to through the parent to the student. I can have them change the direction of the camera. We can work on different. It is about as close as being in the same room as you can imagine. Uh, and, when, and then with the live streaming, it's recorded on that Facebook page so we can go back and review the practice sessions. We can go back and do a review. Then I can submit additional, um, we can submit additional drills. We can submit additional projects. Uh, Facebook, on the Facebook group, for instance, I like, one of the reasons I like it is under the group section, there's something called units that's designed for education. So if I set up on the Facebook page, on that group page, something called Stance, I can have a section called Stance and have multiple examples of, of you know, a snooker stance, an American stance. We can have versions of I can put on videos. I can put on instructions. I can put in documents and have it under that unit. Then we can go to another one that's, you know, that's called, uh, uh, you know, grip or or, or or a pre-shot routine, and we can give. I, I can add videos. I can add things of that nature. Now, what I did do is I've also uh, started creating a, a bank of, of small videos. I've taken some of my junior students in Massachusetts, and we've made a number of two-minute, one to three-minute video clips showing examples of them performing certain drills or performing these tasks. So that I can I put it online with these students, and they can see other kids how they're performing, how it should look at the end, and it's it's extraordinarily effective. And how often is does a student have the opportunity to uh, network with you online? 
So because of the nature, <laughs> because of the nature of this, I mean, I, I get questions all the time. I may get something, uh, you know, I may say, Roy, I'm having trouble with something. I said, fine, we'll work on it. Uh, but I designed I designed this instruction program to take approximately two hours a month, a half hour a week, um, to touch base with the kid to work on something. And of course, you can do more if you like. If I have if I have a student that is is very motivated and uh, um, is or working on a uh, for, towards a tournament or is having trouble with something, we may set up some extra sessions or communicate online or FaceTime. And uh, and so I'll have an opportunity to be right in the room, uh, so to speak, with that student, see what they're working on. It's a, I I have to say that it we're not I didn't invent anything, um, I didn't create anything. All of these technologies, all of these things, are online and available to any eight, nine year old, and ten year old that's out there. It's simply a matter of putting it in form of uh, of instruction uh, for pool. Um, and, and I, I, looking at, I mean, looking at the world, we have, uh, you know, the, the way of the future is, is online instruction. We have all kinds of online schools, colleges, graduate programs popping up, and people are realizing that they have this technology available. And we need, and, and in my opinion, in this country, we need to make real instruction. We need to have good uh, standardized curriculum uh, available to kids who want to learn. Uh, I think that's that's the way we're going to be competitive in the next generation with our European counterparts and our Asian counterparts and, and the pool players across the world. You had talked about hoping that the other American instructors come on board with this program. Certainly you can't continue donating two hours a month for each and every student. I mean, it sounds like you would have to have other instructors. Well, well, we do have other instructors. So we have a number of other instructors. And I've been actually focusing on some of the younger instructors who are familiar with the technology and, and are willing to, to, uh, to take this on because they see it's a really an investment in the future. So I am not the only instructor doing this. I, I apologize if I'm, I gave that impression. Um, I've, I've been doing it to try to, uh, I've included some of the other instructors as friends on a couple of these Facebook pages, groups, just as a, to use as a template uh, for teaching, but I'm not the only one. I'd like to get a lot more involved. Um, and I think there's, there's as, as this concept grows, it's not just going to grow in the United States, it's going to grow in Europe, it's going to grow everywhere else. Uh, because it it makes a lot of sense and and um, <laughs> and that's the most efficient way to to get instruction out when we don't have a, a uh, accredited instructor in every town and every community. We need to ha- make these materials available. It's not just the YouTube anymore. I mean, it's not you know the kids can go online and take a look at YouTube, and some of it is very good and some of it is not so very good. Um, but without some guidance, uh, you're going to have a lot of kids not really uh, receiving the quality of instruction that they deserve. You know, we talk about, you mentioned YouTube, and we talk about the the huge amount of content that's available on YouTube. Do you have problems with young students coming to you and saying, well, 
wait a minute, I saw Johnny Pro hit a ball like that on YouTube, so it must be the right way to do it. I, no, I have no problem with that. Asking a question is always a very good thing. It is, it is good that the students are interested in what's out there. What's, what's problematic is they, they don't know enough or they're too young to be able to distinguish between um, good material not so good material or good material that they're not ready for. They're not going to be successful at because they haven't acquired the proper fundamentals and foundation to be able to successfully perform those skills. Um, so a lot of it is, is it's not just even uh, the, the specific skill. It's also the, it's also the timing of it. It's easy for a young, I've been training kids for a long time, and it's easy if you don't build up and give them the proper foundation, they're going to get frustrated. They're going to get uh, with themselves and not being able to perform a task, and they're going to go some do something else because they have to have be given the proper skills to be able to go online and say, "Yo, you know, if, if I have a, uh, one of my students that gets to an advanced stage and they say, look, I saw this probe performing this shot,' and you know." how can I, I want to do it too. And then we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And, and, but they have to understand what skills are required to, to perform those tasks. And, and we don't want to get them frustrated, but it, it, it's, it's a matter of, it's really a matter of structure. Um, there's no structure on YouTube. <laughs> it is, it is all over the place. It's, it's haphazard. And some of the people up and everybody can post something on YouTube, whether they know what they're talking about well, they don't. Again, a lot of very good people have posted a lot of very good material on YouTube, and some material is just not so good. Um, but if the student has a good foundation um, and, a, and a good structure, then the student will pick up the skills to be able to tell the difference. And how many students are involved with the program right now? In the online program? Yeah. On the online program, I'm probably handling three or four of them. I have another bunch of uh, instructors that are doing the same. I'm not sure, but it's probably it's still getting speed. It's Right now, it's probably less than 20. And I'm hoping to build on that as we go forward. Um, part of it is simply getting people to understand what it is. And, and what has the response been like, I mean, from parents and from students? Overall, very positive. But it, you know what I found? I found that it is almost exactly like having one of my physical locations for my junior programs. You get, it's a matter of expectation. So you may have a parent call, call up and say, my kid is terrific. My kid plays, has a great stance, needs a little help with the bridge. And then when I look at the video, uh, you know, it's a young child who doesn't have a good stance, maybe doesn't have a good bridge, but also doesn't have much of anything else in terms of just very brand new. But the parents don't have the skills or the understanding to to, to be able to tell the difference. Uh, so sometimes if you don't meet those expectations, the parents will walk away or the kids will walk away. Uh, so I've had, we've had that happen in both, whether it's a physical location or an online program. Uh, if the parents understand that they want to bring their child in for good instruction and coaching 
I mean, there's a difference between instruction and coaching, but the, for instruction and coaching, um, and they understand that, you know, we really have to focus on on the, the foundation of the sport uh, with good fundamentals, then those kids, and they stay with it, they can become very, very successful in it. You've talked about um, traveling to Russia and to China for Junior World Championships. Have you had a chance to compare what the juniors have available there to what we have here and what you're trying to provide them? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, that's worth... That's worth a whole other show. <laughs> the uh, the uh, because you have to uh, the resources that the the young ki- that the kids have in other countries uh, for the most part uh, is far superior to what we provide to the juniors here. I think I think in terms of instruction, uh, Europeans in some of these countries are probably a generation ahead of us, the United States. Because for and I think it's for a few reasons and people and I'm not you know I know that some people may disagree with me but I think that part of it part of it is that uh, the Europeans for instance recognize and they value proper instruction um, they they value uh, a professional accredited instructor someone who has a structure uh, and they will start training their kids at a much younger age. Than, than we do in this country. Um, places like China, where they have a school in Beijing, uh, that the kids actually stay there and they play, you know, eight to ten hours a day um, while they're in school. Uh, it is, in, and then they Sunday they don't play on Sunday, but they review the tapes for what they've done during the week. I mean, that's a tremendous, that's a tre- a, a tremendous support we have. You know, there are countries that, that provide these materials. In China, three years ago, we were in Shanghai for the Worlds. And the Worlds, were, and the Worlds just uh, let me give you an example. From the airport to the um, hotel uh, where, where we were staying in Shanghai, I don't know how many miles it was. It was some, some distance from the and on every lamppost, on every street, from the entire distance from the airport to the hotel, was a banner welcoming the uh, the a nine a banner with a picture of a nine ball welcoming the world uh, junior nine ball players. When um, it it it's 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 a very very different than uh, than what we have. Uh, the kids and the kids are giving incredible amount of support. Uh, in this country, I think we have to we have to do two things. We have to get the um, we have to get the instructors more involved with the juniors. We need to have the instructors realize that they need to be more involved, and we have to make it people aware. We need to help them people get aware that that uh, a good structured program is if they want if the kids really want to excel and compete on the in the world stage. They need to have a good structured program uh, from an early age. Uh, my, the kids in, in our programs, I think, compete, but they don't spend the time. They don't have the time that some of these other countries make available for their students. Um, and we have to have, uh, you know, we, and we have to have, and, and those other countries, 
and I'm going to say this, and I, I don't want to upset people, but those other countries don't go to the professionals, pull the players to coach and teach as much as they go to the professional instructors. And that's not to say that you can't learn from a pro. We have a lot of, and we have a number of professional players in this country who are accredited, trained instructors. People like uh, Karen Core, Allison Fisher, Mark Wilson. We have a you know a, a core of really good instructors that are professional players, but they they are also trained instructors. And uh, we have to we have to understand that uh, you know we need to provide a good structure for the kids uh, if they're going to compete on the world stage. Uh, I'm I'm critical of the American pool scene on this show quite a bit. And we talk about the Atlantic Challenge Cup, which which we'll get to, how Team America has has not done real well there. And we we look at the Asian and the European players and say they have such an advantage over the American players. However, what first got you and I in communication for this show was the recent World Nine Ball Junior Championships. We had an American win a gold medal. We did. Makiel, yep. I don't think many of the listeners are familiar with him. Makiel, I met Makiel for the first time in his family. A wonderful family. I met met Makiel for the first time uh, in China when he was on the, uh, he was on the American team uh, in 2016, um, in the world in China. Uh, he did not make it in 2000. He did not make the team in 2017. And he was an alternate to make the team this year in 2018. I believe he came in around uh, sixth place in the, um, uh, in the junior nationals in New Orleans. Um, I was on the committee with, uh, Tom Rossman and Tom Riccobini, you know, when we go through uh, selecting the players and uh, and uh, because of, you know, a couple of kids that couldn't make it, uh, McKeel's name came up and I remembered him from uh, 2016 and knew him to be a very solid, um, uh, focused young man um, and with great family support. Um, and uh, I was very happy that he came in. It was actually on the last minute, but we haven't. But I believe it's been 11 years, 2007, since an American team has won one of the golds. So this was a, it was a, a very nice, and he, he he played very solid, very focused. He kept his he kept his uh, composure, and it made the difference. We look at competitions between Americans and, and Europeans or Asians or Filipinos and, and whatever, and we we point at those and say, see how far we are behind. Is, is, is this a sign that maybe we're not so far behind as we think we are, or was this just... I, I, well, honestly, what I think is that I think that there's enough people in the industry... Uh, that realize that we're behind, that we want to catch up. And I think that's a very positive sign. I think we're going to be moving in the right direction. Um, the, the BEF has just been, the Billiard Education Foundation has just been taken over again by the Billiard Congress of America, by, by the BCA. 
um, the uh, Ozzy Reynolds, who was the uh, uh, from CSI Q Sports International, has just been has just been elected as the new president of the uh, BEF. He's also on the board of the BCA, and I think uh, and Tom Riccobini did a fantastic job as president because uh, he realized. I think we all realized that we need to make some changes. So things like making programs available, things. Uh, there have been some changes at the junior nationals to try to include uh, more people, trying to reduce some of the old league infighting, for instance. Uh, we've tried to really be inclusive um, for everybody to to get some of these kids in here and, and, and not only give them the opportunities, but to uh, to make sure that we send the best kids available uh, to these international events. So I think I, I think you're right. I think we're still thump, I think we're still behind, but I think we we are going to make progress, and we're in a posture that we will continue to make progress. So I think we're going to be able to close that gap. And you talk about these trips to the World Junior Championships. These players sometimes with their parents, they travel all over the world. They do that on their own dime, don't they? As the BEF, the BEF sponsors supplements um, uh, some of it, and I, uh, to be honest with you, I can't think of offhand. I, I know they pay some of the uh, some of the expenses for the juniors, but pretty much um, we're running fundraisers. You know, as coaches, I, I run fundraisers for my kids to go to the nationals to do, and all of these tournaments. And I think everybody is doing the same thing. Joe Peachower from Peachower Cues has done a fantastic job. Uh, with um, uh, with uh, he donates uh, some beautiful cues and sets up a raffle system for the junior nationals and junior and the worlds every year. And they've been raised. I know they he's helped raise tens of thousands of dollars every year um, to help these kids. So you know the the it's it's not as the, the funds are not readily available um, as I would like. But uh, everybody's kind of finding their way. I mean, I I generally take ten to fifteen juniors to the junior nationals every year, and we'll we'll do fundraisers. I'll do a fundraiser and raise, I th- you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars, help with travel expenses, uh, airline tickets, depending where it is. It may not cover all of it, but uh, we you know we do what we can to supplement. And you've been going to the junior nationals for how long now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. It's probably 13, 14, 15 years maybe. But back when it was the BCA junior nationals before the BEF was even involved. But it was quite a while. And I started off with taking, you know, one or two kids from my junior program. And then uh, I wasn't I wasn't an instructor at the time. But I had kids that were, uh, I had juniors that, were showing a lot of promise, and I didn't feel uh, like I had the um, skill set to really instruct them the way I think they deserved. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade. I'm an attorney, and I've taught classes on college level classes before, and I understood the the importance of having a good structure when teaching anything. So I became involved in what was then the BCA instructors program, and and uh, I liked the program. I got involved. I became very active in it, and I've gone through the various levels to become one of the master instructors. <clears throat> and I found it 
and it, I think it provides a very good structure uh, for instruction for anybody, but uh, particularly the kids. I don't want to. I don't want to put you in a tough position, but <laughs> can <okay>. you <laughs> can you contrast the junior nationals from ten years ago to now? How has it changed? Well, it's grown. We have more kids involved, so I think uh, um, it 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 has gotten. And as as because you have to remember, the BCA had it uh, years and years ago. Uh, there was more money involved. Uh, then the, the the junior nationals was transferred over to the BEF, and there was some initial funds given by the BCA, but those funds dried up. And um, you know, we have. I, I'm thinking that we probably, uh, you know, I remember a lot of years when we had close to around a hundred or so kids, and now we're up to 170 something kids. So we've gotten certainly gotten. Um, a lot bigger. It's gotten uh, better known. We, we're drawing in kids from uh, the different league systems, from the BCA, from the APA, from the from the uh, VNEA, and and some of those some of those league systems have junior tournament programs. So we're trying to draw that because this is this is the only tournament that has a WPA sanction in terms of choosing kids for the world events. So, but. We're trying to get uh, some uh, league competitors to kind of find some common ground with the kids, um, and I think it, it's it's been growing. So it has certainly been growing, um, and I think we've had some great directors over the years. We've had uh, Laura Smith. We've had uh, Sam Depp. We've had um, uh, Tom Riccobini. We've had some great uh, Earl, Earl Munson been involved. We've had some great people over the years. That have really made the effort to, um, uh, you know, grow the program and uh, really get it established nationwide. So I think that that has helped as well. When I think about the junior nationals, I think about that being the place where some of our our big names came from. Uh, you're, you'd be right. Besides April, who everyone knows. What yep. names should we be looking for coming out of the junior ranks right now? Oh, we have uh, we have uh, some kids on the young uh, Shane Wolford. Uh, you should look for Michelle Jang, um, also one of my students. You should look at uh, Joey Tate. Joey Tate is a 13 year old now. He's imagine he's going to Joey's going to be in the Atlantic Challenge Cup this week. Joey's 13 years old. Um, and he's he's a great kid with a lot of focus. With a, and he's got a great future in the sport. But at 13, he's got many more years, <laughs> both in the Junior Nationals and in the Atlantic Challenge Cup. Uh, but we have uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of talent uh, coming up through the ranks. Eric Roberts. We have a lot of uh, a lot of kids that are really focused. Uh, Michelle's little sister Tiana, who's the Current fourteen and under national champion, uh, we have you know there we have some good talent, and I think with with um, with a good structured program, if we, if we have the if we set aside the resources to help these kids meet their potential, then I think we will be you you'll see us doing much better on the world stage in the years to come. And to make sure that I don't forget it later in this interview. Um, 
as a fan of the game, how can you help? Not you personally, but as a fan of the game, how could I help make this possible? Hmm. Well, that's a good that's a good question. I think there are a number of ways. One is that the the uh, uh, Billion Education Foundation is a nonprofit. They will always happy to accept donations, and the donations made to the Billion Education Foundation not only are they tax deductible, but they go to the kids. They go to help the kids. Um, they go to help the juniors uh, travel to the to these tournaments, not just the regional tournaments, but the the national tournaments or the international tournaments. The BEF now has established a good state system. So I run the state, uh, I've been running the uh, state junior championships in New England and out of uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and we still don't have state championships in every state. So we need volunteers across the country uh, <clears throat> to step up and help run some of these tournaments. Uh, to, to run a a state tournament where the kids are receiving sanctioned real state titles, um, and that's a stepping stone to the nationals. Uh, so we so we we need volunteers, we need uh, money, we need uh, moral support. So even simply signing up on. Uh, so we have the Atlantic Challenge Cup this week. Uh, the Atlantic Challenge Cup has a Facebook page. We'll be doing. We'll have some live streaming. Everybody sign up, take a look, support, learn who these kids are. You know, watch, uh, uh, learn who they are and support them as they, they come up through the ranks. Uh, we have uh, the worlds are all live streamed. Nowadays we have, <clears throat> excuse me, lots of opportunities, uh, not just with time and money, but also simply going online and supporting these kids. And, they, and believe me, they, they appreciate it when they get words of encouragement and support. And the website for the BEF is BilliardEducationFoundation.com? BilliardEducation.org. Okay. And you had mentioned it at the beginning of the interview, but remind us again, your junior program, how do people get information about that? So the, the uh, if you go to the, right now the online program is called the uh, uh, Break and Run Premier Instruction Program, and it can be found, a link to it can be found on the BCA website, which is bca-pool.com. So go to www.bca-pool.com, uh, and uh, if you find the link that says Instruction, there'll be a further link that says, you finally it says learn pool uh, and find an instructor. There'll be a link to, for junior pool. And that'll give some information about the program and uh, how, to, uh, how to sign up for it uh, through the, through the uh, PBIA and the BCA. And I will include both of those links on the show notes for this. Um, one last thing before I let you go. You've talked about it a couple of times. Now, you're leaving tomorrow for Vegas? Yes, yes. Uh, the fourth Atlantic Challenge Cup? It is. Now, one of your students, Michelle, she'll be there playing. Yes, uh, Michelle Jang is going to be is one of the two girls. As you know, it's four boys and two girls, both from America and, and Europe. Uh, this is actually the second time in four years that one of my students has been on the 
Atlantic Challenge Cup. Um, <clears throat> Michelle is currently the she's the been the uh, she's the 18 and under uh, junior national girls champion for the BEF the last two years. Uh, she's also the current the 2018 BCAPL World Eight Ball Women's Champion and the 2018 BCAPL World Nine Ball Champion. Um, very solid place. She's a first-year student at MIT, so she just graduated out of my junior program, and she is in uh, MIT now. I, I also coach the college kids in Boston, so I have uh, from my location. So I have um, I coach the kids from MIT, from uh, BU, uh, Harvard, um, Northeastern, UMass. And what I did was I set up individual single um, leagues in each of the schools so that the kids can attract more kids and I'll, uh, to the program. I coach them, and I'll be running the ACUI uh, qualifier for New England in the spring. So we'll have uh, I, so I'm, I'll still be coaching Michelle and and her collegiate uh, friends, um, and and I'm planning on. Heading over to the uh, um, to the ACUI Collegiate Nationals this year in Purdue. Wow! And when does the Atlantic Challenge Cup kick off? Uh, Thursday. So it's um, I'm heading there tomorrow, and the events. I don't have the uh, itinerary in front of me, but it starts Thursday morning. So I welcome everybody to tune in and uh, and support the kids. Well, it sounds great. Um, and, and a quick note, we're taping this on Tuesday, but it, it will be uh, out there for people to listen to on Thursday. So definitely, I'll also include a link to the website for the Atlantic Challenge Cup on the show right. notes. So people will have a, a quick way to go out and, and keep an eye on things. Roy, I appreciate your time today. I know you're getting ready for a trip and, and it sounds like you're very, very busy beyond that. Uh, yes. I am, but it's all fun. This is this is really. Um, I get a lot of uh, uh, satisfaction uh, watching the you know, doing what I can to help the sport grow go forward, and I think the kids are really the place that uh, we should be applying our resources and our time. Well, I would agree with you on that. I will let you get ready for your trip, and hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk again here in the near future. All right, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, and. Uh, and thanks to everybody listening. Thanks, Roy. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Roy. Look down to the show notes when you're listening to this. Uh, hopefully you're listening on Thursday or Friday. There will be a link to that Atlantic Cup challenge that we talked about in the interview. As of the time that I'm taping this, America was down 3-0 and it wasn't looking real good. Or Team USA was down 3-0. But... Stranger things have happened. So get out there, help support the juniors, and hopefully I will be back with another interview for everybody next week. Thanks for listening to American Billiard Radio, and Dave, we're thinking about you.